Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is RJ Borges. He is the author of Finish Strong, Resistance Training for Endurance Athletes. And on today's episode, I really want to get stuck into some of the topics that you cover in the book and some things that will really help the listener for this podcast, stay in the sport longer, not get injured and perform better. So firstly, RJ, welcome to the podcast. Brenton, thanks for having me. This is an exciting, it was an exciting invite to get. I've learned a lot from any of your swimming YouTube videos. And as you know, us age group triathletes, we've got plenty of work on our swimming to continue to do. But if if I can help other triathletes out there by sharing a little bit of knowledge, that's my main goal. And that was one of our main goals of producing the book. Well, we were talking before the podcast and you are heavily involved in research. You are teaching this stuff at, uh, at university. You're an age group triathlete yourself. So you are really in the thick of things, which I think is, is great. That immersive experience that you're having in triathlon and strength training, I think there's going to be a lot, of, lot for us to cover. So to start with, where does all of this originate for you? Where does your uh, passion and interest uh, begin in, in this topic of resistance training? Yeah, so in terms of resistance training, I pretty much have to start back to being a university student. And so I was, I was a major in athletic training and health science. And by profession, I'm a certified athletic trainer. I know that doesn't really exist in all parts of the world, but pretty similar to a physio. And so we have a, a lot of the same skill set as a, a physical therapist might have in the United States or sports physio might have in other parts of the country. So we certainly get a plenty of exposure to classes in therapeutic exercise and then also strength training for performance. So that was probably where I was first exposed to it first got interested and I really started to make it a part of my everyday life is going to the, going to the gym, getting in a workout and, and really loving the results that I'm getting. So getting a, uh, a stronger, more healthy body, just overall, overall health is pretty much, you know, my main interest at that point. I would say I got into my twenties, got really busy with work after I, after I got some, some of my first jobs and then some of that fell by the wayside. And I got to the point where I didn't like what I was seeing in the mirror. <laughs> I didn't like, you know, what I was, what it was doing for any of my performance. So then my late twenties was when I really started to get back into strength training and, and really, you know, engage in it on a, on a really consistent basis. So at least minimally five days a week. And then shortly thereafter was once I got into my early thirties is when I started my endurance sports career. So I had this major foundation and had created this strong, healthy body. And it kind of made the, some of the endurance training specifically for triathlon, swim, bike, and run really not so bad. And and a part of me was always questioning and thinking, gosh, I wonder what somebody that doesn't, that doesn't do strength training, I wonder how their body feels after some of these workouts. Because, you know, I, I think after you're doing regular strength training, your body's always going to be in some state of recovery. So there's always going to be 
a minimal part of uh, delayed onset muscle soreness. And so when you're used to having some muscle soreness, I guess any of the soreness that you were going to get from the endurance sport training, it really didn't, it really didn't make a difference to me. So I liked how when I combined the two, yeah, I really liked what I was seeing in terms of A, my performance and B, my overall health. Mm. And I think, well, I've seen, so I've got two friends, right, who they've started running their late thirties, yeah, close to 40. And they've gone from not doing much running at all and they're training for a half marathon and then looking to do a marathon. And they basically, both of them, they're a couple, they went too hard, too soon. And, and they haven't, don't have, don't have to have surgery, but um, he was in a brace for a few weeks and basically just ran through the pain and was doing no strength training whatsoever and has injured himself and his wife as well has, has done the same thing. So she's just easing back into it now. And I have sort of had this, a similar experience in my early twenties. You can just, you can kind of get through it without the need for as much strength training. But as we get older, it's that strength training that will just stop you from, from getting injured and. You know, it just helps your body adapt a lot. And in the last 18 to 24 months, I've been going fairly consistently three times a week to the to the gym. And I've noticed a massive difference just with not getting injured, feeling better and um, and holding up better towards the end of a training session or a, or a race. So I'm a big advocate for it. I wouldn't say I'm a convert. I already knew the importance of it, but absolutely love it. And it's, it's quite addictive now. I, I really look forward to going to the to the gym and working on this stuff. So what are, what are some maybe common mistakes or misconceptions that you see about strength training that the typical triathlete or swimmer might have? Yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes people don't understand that they've got to follow the same rules that they're following for their endurance training. And mm-hmm. so you want to have planned, purposeful training sessions. And so, you know, you, you're always going to be doing, you know, speed work, Sometimes you're doing, sometimes you're going to be doing an endurance set as a swimmer. Sometimes it's really more about the speed work. The same thing kind of goes at the gym. There should be a specific purpose of what you're trying to accomplish. And I've, I've heard from a number of folks where they say, I know I'm supposed to go to the gym. I just don't know what I'm supposed to go and do. Mm. And, and I said, well, I said, then you need to just get, get my book. We've got planned workouts for you. And then you actually can see what you should actually be doing. So, and I guess what I'm saying in terms of planned, you need to plan on hitting all of the correct uh, muscle groups, right? And and so that would be the planned purposeful part behind uh, some of the training, plus all of the, the order at which you're going to train. Okay, so that's all part of being planned and purposeful. So you really want to always start out with any of your mobility work by starting out with any of the mobility exercises, you're going to get your muscles set to the correct length tension relationship. And then that's going to allow for a better workout. So you'll be able to reach greater ranges of motion throughout uh, some of the lifts. And that's going to be an important part. So I think, I think that's a, a major misconception is like, well, all I got to do is go. You do have to go. That's a definitely frequency is by far the frequency and consistency of that frequency is the number one thing. The other thing that I hear sometimes is people think that you've got to be there for like these super long sessions. And so the big thing that I always hear is there's just no time. I can't do it. And I said, you definitely can do it. I said, you can definitely make time. And 
I think people don't realize is we're, we become very good at wasting time on social media and some other things. And, and I don't want to, you know, get sidebarred and make this about something else. But if you have a planned purposeful session of 30 to 45 minutes, you can accomplish a lot. You can get a full body workout in that time and you'll be fine. So, you know, a, a lot of people are just like, I don't have an hour. I said, you don't need an hour. And, and you also don't need to go every day. If you can give me three days a week, that's going to be fantastic. For us, one of the things that we did in the book was we periodized around the training schedule. And so we, you know, we're understanding that, you know, there is a time crunch once you're in peak training time for your endurance sport. So as a triathlete that's training for an Ironman event, you are going to be limited on time. I get that. And so at that point in time, maybe you're only going to be able to get two quality sessions of 30 to 45 minutes in per week. But as long as they're full body training sessions, it's going to still have purpose. And so that would be pretty, you know, pretty useful for you. Let's see, what are some of the other things? I get into it a lot with people about whether or not strength training is actually good for endurance sports athletes. And so maybe you've heard some of this, Brenton, but from the cellular level, our, your muscles are going to make adaptations based on how you train. So if I'm training it to be aerobic, you know, by doing my endurance sports, then it's going to take on those characteristics. Or if I'm training it anaerobically, like what I'm doing in the weight room, then now I'm going to stunt some of the, some of what's going on at the cellular level. What are your thoughts on that? Cause I, <laughs> I often will get into it with other, with other professionals about this. Well, I, in terms of all the, the, the physiological stuff, I'd say that is not my strong point. No, yeah. no, <laughs> so, okay. so, so I, yeah, I, but from my own personal experience though, when I have done, when I have done strength training, I found it just, my body doesn't break down in a longer or harder, harder session. It just, it holds up. And so then my technique and my form maintains for, for the rest of the session. And then I'm able to maintain my my speed so i just yeah i find it's very helpful and i haven't seen any signs that it's working against that aerobic uh, development thank you thank you because you and i agree on the set on the same principles and and i this is you know i feel that it's so important that we're having that strength to maintain form and proper form is everything for for a swimmer for certain, and then certainly for a runner too. So if somebody's an, uh, an age group triathlete and they're training for Ironman, and I just did Ironman Mont-Tremblant two months ago, and when you're out on that run course, you start seeing a lot of poor, poor run form and people mm. really start breaking down and it's because their muscles just aren't holding them and in, into that correct posture, into that optimal posture anymore. So to me, I will, I will take that any day. The other thing mm. that I sometimes start to think with going back to the cellular level, if, if that was so true that, you know, I'm, I'm doing a disservice to my muscles 
by strength training and I want them to only have the the adaptations from the aerobic training, why isn't it that the person with the biggest VO2 max doesn't win every race? So mm. there's something to be said for mechanics falling apart and things like that. So um, especially in triathlon where where we're going to be swimming, biking, and running, it's hugely important to be doing uh, to be doing the strength training. It took a mm. while too, I would say, for for swimmers to kind of come around to get into the strength training. I would say probably maybe it was like not in the like mid nineties or something that finally it was starting to become a little bit more common for swimmers to, to start doing weight room uh, training sessions. And then even to this day, there's still some cross country coaches out there for runners that will just say, I don't know. I'm, I'm really worried about that, that they'll start to contaminate their muscle with the anaerobic training. And so we really just want them to focus on the aerobics. And, I, and I'm always just scratching my head because of the mechanical breakdown. As I mentioned, my, by profession, I'm an athletic trainer, but my PhD is in biomechanics. And so that's always something that I'm super passionate about is what's going on with our form and our overall mechanics and how is that breaking down over, over time? Fatigue plays a huge role in this. And the more that we do the strength training, the more we're going to be able to reduce the effects of the fatigue. We'll be able to hold, hold, on to, hold on to that proper form. Proper form is everything in swimming. I mean, you're clearly going to be faster that mm. way. Yeah, it's, that's exactly right. Like it, it seems crazy to me that someone wouldn't do the strength training because they think it's going to impact their, their, their aerobic training because form is, is so important. You look at the end of any, any even a 100-meter freestyle, you'll see swimmers break down in the last 5, 10, 15 meters. And it's the swimmers who slow down the least at the end of a race that are the ones that are going to do the, do the best. And it's that ability to hold their, their technique and, and strength is a huge, huge part of it. And you know that from when you, you're in your off-season, maybe you haven't swum for four weeks or six weeks and you go back in the pool and maybe for the first three or 400, you're feeling good, you feel fresh. But that last 500 or or a thousand meters can get pretty ugly and pretty slow because you just don't have that 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 strength there to be able to to hold your form. So it's it's just such a an important piece of the the puzzle. So it seems crazy that someone would say no, it's not it's not worth doing. This episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by our sponsor, Form Smart Swim Goggles. They're more than a pair of goggles. Meet the world's most powerful swim platform. See yourself improve with Form Smart Swim Goggles, including a free one-year membership when you purchase your goggles for only $249 US dollars. They've currently changed up their offer where you can now get the goggles and you have one-year membership included for free. And if you'd like to continue with the membership going forwards, it's only $15 US dollars a month where you get access to their workouts, training plans, and custom workout builder. But you'll always have access to the real-time data in the goggles, so you never lose access to that. My favorite thing about the Form Goggles is having the instant feedback of what times you're doing, what stroke rate you're doing, and also the ability to see what your heart rate is. Because never before have we been able to have these immediate feedback heads up display where it's actually telling you what your intervals are. So when I wear the goggles in training, 
I like that I know my split for the first 50 and the 100 and the 150. So every single lap, I'm getting that feedback on what my pace is. And I find it's such an important tool for being able to not only have different gears where you can switch between the different speeds that you want to swim, but it helps you develop those gears and it helps you intuitively know how fast you need to go before you're going to blow up or before you're going to go a little bit too hard. So it helps you just get really good at judging your pace for when you do go to a race. And even if you're not wearing the goggles in a race, it's that intuition and that ability to develop your pacing that these goggles can really help with. To get your pair of form goggles and save 15% off, use our link formswim.com forward slash effortless or use the coupon effortless at checkout and that will get you 15% off your pair of goggles using our special link formswim.com forward slash effortless or the code effortless at checkout. This podcast is also brought to you by Skillist, the ultimate digital coaching platform that's making waves in the swimming world. Imagine having the opportunity to train with Olympic and world champions like Kyle Chalmers, Ryan Murphy, and Brent Hayden. Well, with Skillist, that dream is now a reality. Swimmers, you now have the chance to work with the absolute best in the sport, gaining insights and guidance from these elite athletes like never before. And Skillist isn't just your run-of-the-mill coaching platform, it's a game changer. Here is what sets it apart. You can discuss training programs, receive detailed stroke analysis, and even develop race strategies with these incredible athletes and coaches. It's like having a personal coaching session with an Olympic champion right in your pocket. And excitingly, coaches from around the world can also tap into the power of Skillist. Coaches can use Skillist's amazing tools to train their students, analyze videos, and incredibly connect with swimmers from across the world as well. So whether you are a swimmer or a coach, go to the App Store, download the Skillist app today. That's S-K-I-L-L-E-S-T. Download the Skillist app today and get started. And only for our Effortless Swimming Podcast listeners, we're giving away our Art of Triathlon course free, as well as a technique analysis online through the Skillist app from me for free as well. Go to effortlessswimming.com forward slash Skillist offer or click the link in this podcast description and you will get the Art of Triathlon Swimming course for free as well as a technique analysis from me through the Skillist app. And now back to the podcast. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that we're in agreement on that because I, I, I get into some heated debates on, on, on that with, with some people. And it's something that I'm super passionate about because to me, form is, is everything when it comes down to it. And as a guy who studies human biomechanics and, and understands how muscles will, and joints will work optimally, I, I know that the more strength that we have, we're going to reduce our risk of injury and then we're also going to be, you know, be able to hold our peak, whatever that optimal form is. And then that should allow us to have a, a peak performance. Mm. Yeah, I think I told this on a recent podcast. I can't remember, but there's this machine that I've been using. It's like a back extension machine. So you start from like a curled position and then you sort of press against it and then, then go back. I had a lot of issues with my back about two years ago and just kept tweaking it and would sort of put me out for a day or two. And I originally started at 40 pounds on this machine. I'm up to 120 pounds now. And I haven't had any issues with my with my lower back for the last 18 months or so. And I would often get it from if I was sitting down a lot. So just that fatigue from sitting in an airplane seat or in the car or at the desk for a long time, or just fatigue from if, I'm, if I was surfing for two, three or four hours, you just continuing to 
compress a little bit in the lower back and towards the end it would just start to be very weak and I wouldn't be able to hold my myself together very well as I was popping up and just kept kept doing my back and it was so frustrating so that's one of the reasons why I'm such an advocate for this strength training is I've seen the results of it and yeah and it's just I, I just think it's one of the best things that that people can do and I mean, you've worked probably with a lot of athletes. You've probably seen a lot of uh, different people. Do you have any examples or stories of people who you've seen having included this or having maybe had a good strength training program that's helped them get better results or prevent injury? Yeah. So in in terms of, I, I would say the vast majority of what I what I could tell you in terms of stories would be injury reduction as a result of, of their strength training. However, you know, I'm... I'm the strength and mobility training coordinator for a for a triathlon team. And let's see. So I took a couple notes just to jot this down. So in this past year, and this is a team of 25, 25 athletes, we've had 79 top five performances, 41 personal bests. So, and this is the first year that we've included the the strength and mobility training in. So this was a triathlon coach that recognized the importance of, of what we were doing. He said, Hey, you know, let's team up, let's work together. And, you know, it's some combination of his training and then what I'm providing for our athletes too, in terms of the, the strength and mobility work. So we have had success in terms of having a few less injuries. Again, this is, you know, small anecdotal evidence, but it's evidence nonetheless. Another good performance story that I would have is a, a really close friend of mine. Unfortunately, she moved away, but I had I had worked with her while she was here. Really talented triathlete. She was a division one collegiate swimmer. So she's always one of the first one of the first females out of the water. And so she just had a top five performance at Ironman Arizona 70.3 this past weekend, she used to always struggle with knee injuries and her, and so her, her running was always just very poor because of trying to fight through, through knee pain. And, you know, I had this chat with her and I said, look, we've got to work on your core and we've got, and specifically we've got to work on, on your glutes because you've got a glute dysfunction. So we did some, we did some basic, a movement assessment with her we decided what, what we needed to work on. And, you know, she was one of those people that was super receptive to it and said, I'm, I'm making this change because I know I can be really good in, in this sport. She's like, I, I need, I need to do this. And, and so, you know, we worked together, this is probably like 10 years ago, and this is the culmination over the years of her sticking with it. And, you know, now I'm, I'm hearing a lot less from her of, knee pains back or things like so she's just going going and she's always having some really awesome performances so hers is one of those ones where i think she was already talented to begin with i do think that some of the the strength training helped with her performance but clearly being able to make it to the start line to be able to to go and compete i think the strength training has definitely helped with the reducing the injuries for her Hmm. What's another one I can tell you? Here's an interesting one. And this is actually one that I talk in, in my book. So I had a, an age group triathlete, decent, probably like usually like top 10% 
finisher, but he was starting to have a lot of low back and specifically SI joint dysfunction. And so, you know, kind of did the movement assessment with him. Also, you know, asked some questions about what he was doing for, you know, for swimming. He ended up being a, uh, a unilateral breather. So he really created a major side dominance issue. Um, and side dominance is a major problem. So aside from, you know, working with triathletes, I've got plenty of experience working with team sports athletes. So specifically like throwing athletes and a throwing athletes always going to have a side dominance. And so what, what it does is it takes the, the body's natural kinetic chains and brings them out of balance. So specifically the ones with this individual, if you're constantly rotating and only taking a breath from one side, you're going to have a very strong rotation or spiral, spiral kinetic chain to the, on one side, but then the other one becomes dysfunctional. So in our book, one of the things that we talk about is the importance of doing anti-rotation exercises. And so we just really got him to do the correct core exercises. And then he really kind of turned around really quickly. I think, I think within a couple of months, he was not having the, the back pain anymore. And so this comes down to, again, having a planned purposeful training session. And so here's a guy that was going to the gym. He actually was doing all the strength training, but he was working only in the sagittal plane. So think about like crunches and, and lowering the legs and, and things like that. But you know what he was forgetting? The ever important obliques. And one thing in, in, in most of the athletes that I've worked with, I'll find a, a spiral line dysfunction and it really comes down to having a weakness in one or both of both sides of the obliques. So it's a mm -hmm. really underworked, underappreciated core muscle. And so usually one of my tricks for people that are having low back pain is to really start, you know, doing some work on, on incorporating some of those exercises. What are one or two of those exercises to strengthen the obliques? Yeah. So a couple of my favorites are a windshield wiper. So you can be performed with a dumbbell or whatever, but you'll lay on your back. You'll hold a dumbbell up over your head. And that really is only going to be serving as a counterbalance. And then you're going to be starting with your knees kind of bent up with your feet on the ground. And then you're going to just be taking them from side to side in that 90 degree hips at hips and knees at the 90, 90 position, and then slowly bringing them back and forth. I do see people doing these at the gym and they're going way too fast for it to, for it to actually have that anti-rotation benefit. So when people do those, like a dumbbell wind, windshield wiper exercise, like that, that's, that's gold. Let's see. What else do I like? I'm a big fan of the dead bug pal-off press. So I think most people know what a dead bug exercise is. And, and so that usually is going to be, you know, working mostly in the, in the sagittal plane, which is usually, you know, flexion and extension of 
your your shoulders and, and your hips. Once you make a, so people know what a dead bug is. People also know what a paloff press is, but usually they do a standing paloff press where they'll have a resistance band while they're standing in a bilateral stance and they'll resist it from turning them. The minute that you go onto your back, you have very little stability. And so you really don't need much of a pull from that, from that resistance band to be, to be kind of fighting. So those are two that I absolutely love. They're actually included in some of our top 10 exercises for swimmers in the book. I find those really challenging and then also really effective. So yeah, I think, you know, being able to target some of those forgotten or little used muscles, I think is always going to be important for people. Mm. Is there any other must do or go to exercises that you would normally prescribe for 90% of swimmers that you were to work with? Yeah. So it's all about just knowing what the target areas are, right? So that's going to target my core. Um, we also want to make sure that we're going to be, uh, targeting our glutes, right? So, um, Unless you're that unless you're that triathlete that does absolutely no kick out there, which I can't stand, but I always see somebody that's out there and they're just floating in their wetsuit and it's just pull, pull, pull. Um, yeah, I mean, you need to have strong glutes if you're going to be able to have a, you know a nice kick. And so for that, we really like a, a marching hip press. And so that can be done on a on a bench and you just place your shoulders on the on the back of a bench. You can kind of just place your arms across your chest and then make a nice bridge and then start doing a marching uh, motion with, with your legs. So, because you're going to basically be going into a single leg stance once you're going into the march. So rather than just being, you know, working both glutes at one time, you are, they are going to get that back and forth motion, which is truly what we're going to be having to do during a kick anyway. So I like that. Other areas or regions that are going to be super important for, for a swimmer is going to be building a nice, strong back and, and scapular stabilizers. So scapula is going to be that back of the shoulder region that really needs to be stable because that's, that's an anchor, essentially, the way I look at it. That ends up being an anchor for our true shoulder joint. And when, when the scaps aren't in the correct location that's when people start to have a lot of their shoulder pain. So when people start having shoulder impingements, usually the root cause of the problem was something going on with a scapular weakness. So for those, I, I love using uh, cables, a cable column, and then doing low to high row and also high to low row for, for cable column. So, you know, you can just kind of, you know, start with the one, where you, you'll adjust it so that the handles are low or, and then, you know, for the other one, you'll just start with them adjusted high. I do think that both of those are going to be, you know, really critical for, for developing the, the strength there. So those are a couple of the, the strength exercises. The one thing that we always talk about is don't neglect mobility and mobility is mm. probably sometimes some of the people that I've worked with, the problems you know, after I start chatting with them and I start uncovering what they've been doing, they've been doing the correct thing by going to the gym and doing the strength training, 
but they've forgotten to do any mobility work. And so, you know, if you're doing one without the other, you're going to only create more of an imbalance. And so the key, the key mobility exercises for swimmers really need to make sure that we're taking into consideration the mobility of the back of the shoulder. So we like to do a a cross body stretch for that. And then the front of the shoulder, and I always love a, a good doorway stretch for that. So anytime people are doing static stretching, they should be held for 30 seconds. That's the way that in the, in the research literature that's been shown to be optimal. And then let me go back to that part where I said, the scapula ends up being this anchor for the, for the shoulder. Well, the scapula is sitting on your thoracic spine on top of the ribs. And so one of the things I'll often see, and sometimes it's been termed swimmer's posture, and a lot of it comes because people have overdeveloped lats. And so they'll get that kyphotic middle back. And so it ends up being rounded. And we really want to try to fight that because once that gets rounded, that's going to change the rib orientation. And then that change in rib orientation is subsequently going to affect the orientation of the, of the scapula itself. So it's really critical to do a lot of extension exercises. So I love doing an extension over a foam roller for my middle back. And then I also love exercises that promote rotation in the middle back. So a thread the needle or a book opener, those end up being really, really good exercises to be doing. So again, I I think we chatted already. I think I might've mentioned that always important to do the mobility exercises first prior to your, to your workout session to be planned and purposeful and then get into the, into the strength training sets. Mm. Yeah, we do a bit of mobility testing and then some TheraBand exercises when we go away and run our, our camps. We are in Thailand two weeks ago and we did some tests with the swimmers there and majority of them, I'd say 75% of them are in the lower range of, of those mobility tests. Like we do a combined lateral raise, do a thoracic rotation test and uh, you just say people are, are really, really stiff and this stuff takes, it takes time. It takes many months to be able to improve on it. And just that consistency with the, with the mobility work and the strength work, but you're going to be going through that time anyway. And if even five, 10 minutes of some mobility work before each session or before each strength session, it makes a big difference. It, it does add up. And if you've got that patience and that willingness to just go, all right, I'm going to stick with this for six months, 12 months, you will see an improvement. And you will absolutely feel a difference when you're swimming. It is night and day from seeing someone who's very limited with their range of motion. You, you can see that. I, I look at technique all the time. I, I analyze swimmers and you can see when people are exceptionally tight through the, through the upper or, or lower back, through their hips, you, you can notice it. And it does limit their ability to get into the right position. So it's a big factor. And as, as much as I'd love to say, like just just do the technique work well maybe you can't do maybe you can't get into the right positions yet so we need to be able to look at some of this other stuff as well yeah and you said a couple of things i love that you actually do testing on the athletes prior to and then you actually are assigning you know the corrective exercises to then go ahead and fix that i think that's i think that's huge and you're so right on the fact that 
you don't fix this overnight. Strength training, you don't fix, you know, you can't, you can't improve strength in one training session. It, it doesn't work like that. And the same thing happens with mobility exercises, because what you're trying to do is create new lengths within, within your, your fascia and within the muscles. And one thing that we should probably talk about is the fact that as people age, so once you start to reach that age, that ever important age of 40, it's a magic age where the body chemistry really changes. And once your body's chemistry is going to change like that, what happens is your tissues become stiffer. So the muscle becomes stiffer. The joint capsules become stiffer. So now you've got a lot more to fight, to fight through, and it's going to take a little bit more time to actually get at. Unfortunately, people like in their 20s and 30s, they're usually getting away with things. It doesn't really matter. They're like, yeah, I, don't, I can just, you know, I don't need the mobility exercise. I'll be fine. Then all of a sudden it, it will, it will catch up to people eventually. And so as in the older athlete, really taking the time to do the mobility exercises is important. I had mentioned, you know, that I'm working with that coaching group and we have a couple of younger triathletes on the team. But the vast majority of, of the individuals on the team are, are over 40. And so one thing that I did with, with our, our programming was make sure that it was a little bit heavier of an emphasis on the mobility training compared to the strength training. So I, I figured, I said, we'll dial that back. Just we'll dial back the, the strength training just a bit, really try to get a focus on that so that people are going to be able to get to the correct muscle lengths and then be able to uh, have better form, better mechanics, you know, certainly improve your swim as you, as you had mentioned. Hmm. It takes a little bit of convincing or a little bit of selling, I think to some athletes to c convince them of the importance of it and that, all right, this is maybe 15 minutes or 20 minutes where you're not training, you're not getting that aerobic training, but this is actually going to help you just as much because right now you can't you can't have your arm overhead without having it 20 centimeters you know, in front of your, your shoulder there so it's it's going to be worthwhile even though it maybe doesn't feel like it uh, early on so i think yeah it just takes a little bit of explaining the the benefit of it to, to to a lot of athletes especially i'd say a lot of triathletes and swimmers as well they just want to get to the pool they want to get to the the track and they just want to have their workout and go home they just want to get that training done and so sometimes this can feel like doing something that's not necessarily working them towards their goal even though it it is yeah i mean unfortunately there, there's so many people that have to learn things the hard way right so <laughs> you might have already told them and and we we might have shared with them this these you know all these bits of knowledge and then it's just like yeah no i'm not buying it and then they don't buy in and then it, it you know, injuries catch up with them and, and things like that will, will typically happen. I, I find that that's usually what happens. Then they have that injury and then they're like, oh, I guess, I guess it was important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. And, and sometimes it's hard to learn from other people's mistakes. We've just got to learn things the hard way. That's what it's, that's just, that's just how it plays out. But whichever way it happens, it's, you know, we know that it is an important thing to be, to be including. Before we sort of finish up here, any anything else that you'd like to share with the, the listener on 
on strength training, on things that you've seen work really well for people to leave them with a, I guess a few words of words of wisdom and with all the work that you're doing in this, in this area, are there a couple of sort of key things that you, you wish everyone would know? Hmm. All right. Let me think on this a little bit. I mean, it's not that hard, right? And I think sometimes, I think sometimes we're overthinking it and sometimes people, sometimes we're getting caught into the minutia of things. So just like in our endurance sports training, there's different variables that we have to take charge of, right? So there's the frequency at which you're going to train. You then have volume and, you know, volume in the, in the case of strength training is just going to be manipulating your sets and repetitions. You then have your intensity and that's really just going to be your training load. So, and usually that's typically talked about as being based off of a, a one repetition max. I think people will start to get caught in the weeds on rest intervals. And one thing I try to remind everyone is that, you know, we're not, we're not power lifters. We are, we are endurance athletes. So power lifters and anything that, that you're hearing that they're doing doesn't really apply to us. And so a lot of times what they'll do is they'll have like really long rest intervals because their intensity is extremely at a high level. When it all comes down to all of this and manipulating these variables, the biggest thing that you've got to do is you've just got to overload your body, right? So overload creates, the body is going to create adaptations after it's been overloaded. So if Brenton is giving you a swim workout and he's got you, you know, swimming however many meters, at whatever intensity, it's going to create a training load. And so as you're, as you're prepping your people for their next race, that's always ramping up. And so we try to ramp up and create an overload within, you know, within the, the strength training. The, I get crazy questions of, well, when am I supposed to do the really heavy lifting with, you know, but just only a couple of repetitions? And I, and I tell everybody, I said, you're in the weeds. I was like, that, that's not really that important. I said, it's all comes down to overload. And to, to prove this, you know, I pulled out a, I pulled out a systematic review the other day that, that I found. So high level research on many, many strength training articles. And it really come. And in the end, the author just says, you know, if you're, if your goal is to create strength and hypertrophy, then as long as you're training with a, an intensity, which is greater than 30% of the one repetition max, obviously you might have to have, you know, longer, more, more repetitions in the set. People are getting and achieving strength and hypertrophy, which is the <laughs> ultimate goal. So I, I just, I try to tell everyone, like, don't get caught in the weeds there's a lot of right ways to do this. And, and I think sometimes people are almost getting, I like to, I like to say they're getting too cute with it and, and playing around with it. And it doesn't have to be that hard. So consistency, consistency, consistency of training, as you know, and I know for being a better endurance athlete is the key. Same thing 
with, you know, getting the benefits from your strength training consistency is the key, you know? So that really is my, that's my take home message to everybody all the time is if you want to, if you want to get some benefit out of it, you just got to be consistent with it. You'll be fine. Mm. Yeah. When you look for clues of what the most successful athletes do, consistency that is that's always going to be in there it's that's there's no one who's trained for three months and become a champion it's just that it's that consistency so what a great way to, do to end it rj thank you so much for being on the the podcast people can grab your book from any good bookstore or online bookstore we'll put a link in our description as well is there anywhere else that you'd like to direct people to to either get in contact or to to follow what you're doing Sure. Yeah. People can always reach out to me directly. So through my Seton Hall University email. And so that's just my name, Richard.Borgers. Last name is spelled B-O-E-R-G-E-R-S at shu.edu. We also do have a Instagram account for our book. And that is at finish underscore strong underscore book. Awesome. And we'll put those in the show notes as well. Thanks again. And that's been, this has been a great, great episode. And it's it's something that I've really, really enjoyed over the last two years is doing more strength training. And I think sometimes people think that they're going to, they're worried about getting big and and bulky, you know, as a a triathlete or a swimmer, but that's really hard to do. (laughs) You know, if you're, uh, if you're, if you're doing all this endurance training as well, it's, it's really just having strong foundations, not getting injured as you, as you said, and uh, it just sets you up really well for not only sport, but for, but for life. So I think it's a, it's a really important message that, that you've shared. So RJ, thanks again. Thanks, Brenton. Appreciate you having me. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.